This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. Yes, this is indeed the Deep Dive, and I'm Brooke Spector. And as we do every week at this time, we try to bring you a conversation with somebody who is thoughtful and knowledgeable and who understands the complexities of an issue of importance for people in our audience. And today we are happy to have Mr. Makushule Ghana from a new political organization. Let me pronounce this correctly. Rise Imzansi. It's always worried me. I'm not entirely sure what Imzansi means, but I'll ask you to explain that to me in a sec. His standard bio says that he's had years of experience in politics at the National Assembly with the provincial legislature here, legislature here at Hauteng and as a local government counselor. Uh, and he is, he's sort of the archetype for STEM education, it would seem to me, because he's got a, a bachelor's degree in mathematics and computer science and a bachelor's degree in economics and political science postgraduate diploma in business administration. He's just finished a Bachelor of Commerce honors degree in economics. We're not going to have a debate over economic issues, I hope, because I think I might lose. But it, in his, in addition, he says that, uh, that he's an avid social road runner. Social road runner. That means you run in a club, I guess. Uh, and it's not for glory. It's for the, it's for the sheer fun of it. And the other salient feature, I think. He's a family man, two children, and he's from way up north in Sanin. I haven't been there in a long time, but it's very pretty up there. I know that. And we're delighted to have him. Six months ago, if we'd had him on this program, we might well be talking about the future prospects of the Democratic Alliance. But now we're talking about something else, a new political party, which he has joined. But I want to turn, before we get into the why of the change in your political circumstances pose this question for you. There's a growing number of smaller political parties and even independent candidates are on the landscape now. Uh, and this is, this comes about, I think, from two factors. The growing inability of any one party to marshal support beyond the 50% threshold in most elections now, and the new electoral act, which sets the scene for independent candidates. So let's talk a little bit about politics in this country as a function of coalitions and how that's going to work and why, so far at least, it hasn't worked very well. Thanks very much for having me, uh, Brooks. Uh, thanks for inviting Rise Mzansi to this conversation and uh, greetings to the High FM listeners, the supporters and followers of the Deep Dive. Uh, we feel honored and privileged uh, to be having this conversation with uh, with yourself. So I look forward to a very good conversation. It's been an interesting 21 days for us uh, since we announced as uh, officially uh, announced as Rising Suns on the 19th of, of April. Uh, so one has been uh, crisscrossing the country, uh, trying to build uh, structures, trying to get people animated, excited about uh, the prospect for this new organization. And I must say the response from South Africans from all walks of life has been very encouraging. You know, I wake up each morning encouraged to do more. Glad that you feel positive about 
what is, after all, a spectacularly speculative adventure. Why are political coalitions so problematic in this country? They come together and then they break apart and then new parties are born and then there are new coalitions and then they break. Why does this country show such instability when it builds a coalition or, in fact, when a party is on the horizon. I mean, there are countries in Western Europe, for example, where coalitions are a matter of course, and they they reach agreement for a, a fixed period of time, and people largely cooperate, and then if there's an election, something may change. But there isn't this constant churning and churning. Why here? What's going on? I think it's a combination of factors, bro. On one hand, it's most political players that place their own interest first before the interest of uh, the residents, before the interest of, of the country. And also not obvious, in a way, it's a new phenomenon in South Africa. And uh, many organizations have been adjusted to how best to conduct themselves in a coalition, uh, in a coalition government. And also the, There is what I call maybe a level of uh, lack of political maturity and much more broader uh, leadership amongst the the political uh, organizations that are part of these coalitions, that they are more interested in positions rather than uh, the long-term outcome of, uh, of the coalition. So when coalition partners or potential coalition partners uh, meet, the first point of call is uh, who gets what rather than uh, what needs to be done and, and who's best amongst ourselves to do that particular task. It starts with positions and then uh, if there's time left in the negotiation, then they'll talk about uh, what needs to be done, what should be the program of action for the coalition government. And that's in the main from uh, my observation has been uh, the lead cause uh, in in the collapse, uh, but also in the instability of most of uh, the coalition governments at the local government level. That gives me an, an interesting thought. I mean, if the old description of politics by political scientists and you know analysts is always politics is the art of who gets what, and what you're saying is the what in this case is which job, which position, which chair, which office which personal assistant and so forth, and not the what being which policy. And if that's true, then coalition negotiations in this country are backwards, that there's no discussion first off, what are we going to do with our our newfound power? And then we'll figure out who's best to make it work. If that's true, then what you're saying to me, at least, is that it's guaranteed to have this churning quality to it as people see, oh, well, I want that job. That's better than the one I have now. Or John mm-hmm. wants this job or Sipo uh, wants to have a job as well, and he's earned it. And very little discussion about the why anybody has any of these jobs. That's uh, from an observation, both close up and but also now from a distance, is that there's hardly, if you check most of the coalitions, there's hardly a, a uniting idea behind that coalition other than uh, one getting into the executive and which of the executive seats one gets. So it basically has reduced politics to positions rather than what ought to be done before the position is, is allocated. 
And it, it's something that ourselves as Rising Zanzi, we do not uh, subscribe to. I mean, many people have asked us in terms of uh, our our take uh, on coalition, what we will look at. The first thing is what will be in the interest of South Africa. We must at all time think about South African people. Whether Makashile Ghana gets to be in the executive uh, or not, it's not even secondary. It's far down the line. We should not think of ourselves or be selfish to to climb on the gravy train and forget that many South Africans that are looking for leadership, that are looking for people that can better their lives so that they can uh, uh, taste the fruit of democracy. Because many South Africans are yet to taste the fruit of democracy other than the right to vote and not being arrested for criticizing the president or the governing party. We're speaking with, uh, excuse me, Makashule Ghana of Rise Mzansi, uh, and really trying to dive into this question of coalitions and why. We're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back to continue our conversation. This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. This is the Deep Dive. I'm Brooke Spector as your host. And we're speaking with Makashuli Ghana of Rise Mzansi. And we're, and we're talking now about the, the questionability, the, uh, the instability of coalitions. It's not an abstract or an academic question, obviously, because it seems like the future of South African governance at the local, provincial, and national level is almost inevitably going to be through coalitions of parties uh, that get along, but only just. They're not identical because otherwise they would be the same party. But the thing that has intrigued me is that there are places in the world where a coalition government has become the norm. The negotiations have a kind of a formula to them and the governance flows from it. Here it's, um, it's, it's like a very strange board game, I guess. Everybody gets to say, I want this piece and I want that piece. But let's narrow the focus a little bit. Help us understand a little bit more about Rise and Zanzi even is and why you're here and why it's here. What's its future and who are you appealing to? What part of the electorate do you hope gain the attention and support of? Give, give us a little primer on all those questions, if, if you could. Thanks very much. Uh, so Rise Mzanzi is a new, uh, soon-to-be-registered political organization. We're in the process of registering with the IEC to be able to contest elections. We are born out of necessity. It's not out of anger that Rise Mzanzi is born. It's out of uh, seeing the current uh, players, the current uh, situation deteriorating in South Africa, nation-building project being abandoned, uh, many political leaders, political parties focusing on themselves and less so on the South African people to an extent that it has led many people to even start doubting whether democracy is a viability out of the disappointment that they've had with the current political players. And what we aim to do is... uh, to build an equal, safe, prosperous, and united South Africa um, in, a, in, a, in a generation. We believe it's possible. We believe that uh, there's so much in this country. There are good leaders in, in society uh, that can, uh, if activated, can help save and rebuild our country. So that's why Rising Zanz had to be born, 
it's a necessity. It needed to be born so that we can work together to save uh, our beautiful country. Insofar as your question, Brooks, around uh, who we appeal to, uh, we appeal to South Africans who who wants to uh, build a safe, you know, a united South Africa. Want to ensure that uh, we are united and we are working together to build an, a prosperous and safe South Africa. These South Africans are found uh, across the country, in the rural areas, in the urban areas, in the informal settlements, in the farms, in the rural villages of South Africa, in the suburbia of South Africa. So we are appealing more to those South Africans that says that uh, there's no superman that's going to come and rescue South Africa, uh, that if we want to save and rebuild our country, It is in our hands to do so, and that uh, we have to be the ones, uh, we have to be that generation that has to save and rebuild uh, our country. And that's why Rising Suns exist. That's why we are going out each day, reaching out to South Africans to say, you know what, we are the ones that we have been waiting for. We are the ones that must save and rebuild South Africa. There's no one that's coming to rescue us. We are on our own, and we have to do it. I know that neither you nor your colleagues on Zibi would say it this way, but I get the feeling you're trying to position yourself as the adult in a room full of kindergarten children. That's uh, what we should be. Uh, we have to, we are the adults now. We are the adults of the nation. We must be the adult in the room and not uh, look at uh, the destructive polarizing politics that have been dominating South Africa in the last 10 years. Uh, we need to bring South Africans together. We, we do not seek in any way to polarize South Africans because we believe that uh, a polarized South Africa cannot be prosperous. You cannot have a prosperous South Africa and a polarized South Africa in uh, coexisting side by side. If I were to go out tomorrow morning and decide, I won't be doing this, but if I were, if it, as an exercise, if I were to go out and build a political party, in this country, I would be trying to convince major figures of impeccable reputation in business and in academics uh, and in industry more generally to join in this kind of thing. Because one of the startling features of the current political landscape, to me at least, is the virtual absence of major players in business, in industry, in, in, mm. in, from academia, which is where the thought leaders of the country really come from. Yes, of course, there are people among unions and uh, the NGO and civil society sector as well, but they are in the political s- sphere. It's those other places, business, industry, academia, who have basically uh, said, not now, thank you very much. I'll I'll come back later. Well, why is that? And how do you fix that? Yeah, I mean, uh, what I said earlier in terms of activating the capable uh, leaders in society, it's, it's precisely that uh, reaching out to our fellow South Africans in the academia, uh, the business, the professional, uh, the professional class, uh, civic society, you know, the the labor uh, or trade unions, the sports and arts fraternity, you know. So we, we've had this instance that people have have almost uh, ceded politics to politicians. They think that politics belongs to politicians and politics, it's, it's like it should not be for everyone. 
What we're trying to do as Rising Zanz is to say politics affects us all. Therefore, all of us, we, we need to come in and, and save and rebuild our country. Those are the uh, areas that we need to uh, reach out. Uh, so one day I, I speak to trade unions, I speak to people in academia, people in business, people in, in a big industry uh, to say, if we are to succeed, we all have to come together and do this. Yeah, because otherwise, if we don't do it, we all lose. As one of the things that people raise with me, they say, you know, Ghana, uh, politics is expensive. And I say to them, it will be even more expensive if, if we sit back and do nothing. Uh, no one will come out of this looking good. So we, we have a responsibility. Uh, you said when you were introducing me that I, I have kids. The reason I'm doing this is so that my kids can have a better South Africa to live in than the one that we currently live in. Because if they are to inherit a West South Africa than the one I'm currently living in, it means that myself as a father, I have failed to provide a better environment for them to enjoy their lives and a better environment for them to raise their kids in. Because for me, living South Africa is not an option. We have to make this country work one way or the other, even if it's the last thing that we have to do and then we, we depart the earth. That will be the commitment that I think it's something worth living for my kids to enjoy and my grandkids and their grandkids because we have to get South Africa with it. We're speaking with Makashuli Ghana of Rise Uzansi, a new political formation with some serious ideas. We'll be right back after this break. This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. And this is the Deep Dive, and I'm Brooke Spector, and my guest today is Makashuli Ghana of Rise Imzansi, a new political formation on the landscape. And we're trying to get a sense of why they're here and what they hope to achieve. And I, I think the phrase that came to that he said just a few minutes ago is an important one. It's one we people tend to forget. Politics is too important to leave to just politicians. It, it requires more commitment from more different parts of society. Think about this for a second, if you might. I've been reading a history of the old United Democratic Front in the 1980s and very early 90s. In some way, that seems to encompass a very similar idea because it was Although it was an activist organization, it wasn't formally a political party because that wasn't the landscape of the 1980s. By the same token, it was legally constituted and it participated in pushing agenda items rather than simply mass protest or demonstrations, although that was also, I think, part of their, their toolbox. Do you see your party as having some similarity with the old UDF and its ideas and, and thinking? We do, especially in our quest and uh, intent to bring different sectors of society together, uh, united behind a common uh, common vision. And in the way that we organize, uh, when it's not uh, like everything coming centrally, you know, allowing uh, a lot of grassroots community organizing, and doing more than just being an electoral machinery, being able to assist in communities on things that uh, we can do, uh, whether we get elected or not, 
those are the kind of similarities that we want to do. So regardless of uh, election outcome in the in the next elections, rising Zanzu must continue to exist and must continue to find resonance in in uh, in our communities in the work that we do and what what will differentiate us from the uh, the current players will be the work that we do and the people that we are able to bring together because if 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 we fail to bring south africans together then it means that uh, we we have failed on the most important mission of uh, uh, of rising sun which is to unite south africans to come together and we work side by side as equals to save and rebuild our country. In any political formation, there's mm. always, there obviously are leaders and there are followers. There is an internal coalition within each party. And uh, my favorite example of this was the, the Republican Party right at the beginning of its formation in the United States. In the middle of the Civil War uh, in the 1860s, the cabinet that President Lincoln brought together was usually referred to as a cabinet of rivals. In other words, he was in charge, yes, mm-hmm. but some very strong-minded people and some very talented ones were brought together and said, you must pull together and be in harness together to solve the national, the major national crisis, which was a civil war which is sort of like your basic existential crisis, there are some huge problems confronting the society that you and I live in, in South Africa. If I did a shopping list of them, it would take forever. But if I just identify four or five, uh, I'm going to ask you what your party, as it grows, how is it going to address these? And first off, because I'm sitting in the dark right now, there's no electricity. Uh, is an electricity supply that is reliable and reasonably priced, honest government, high quality education with much attention to science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, but other subjects as well, a growth nurturing climate for national economic growth, and I'll add an international relations agenda that fits with the country's needs rather than the whims and, and whimsies of some of its leaders. Lay out your embryonic agenda for those issues and, and more if you, if you think it's appropriate to do so. Yeah. You know, like one of the important issues that you did not mention, Brooks, it's how safe South Africans feel. That is one of the biggest, biggest issues. It's the issues that the, drive away even investment in certain localities uh, because uh, of the safety. And it's the safety of individuals, safety of property, how the criminal networks have uh, worked together to collapse most of our infrastructure, whether you're talking about the rail, the reason why the passenger rail service now, it's not operating optimally is because of, let's call it the coalition of criminals. ESCOM is where it is because of uh, that coalition of criminals, uh, that symbiotic relations between the criminal uh, underworld, the c- criminal networks that uh, work together to strip and collapse uh, ESCOM. So one of the big things that we have to focus on is how we, we make South Africans feel safe. We make the, uh, we safeguard the public infrastructure. We make South Africans safe at work uh, on the roads. Uh, so that that becomes key. We need to get a professional public service 
so that those uh, services that are provided by the, the public service are of high quality. You need to get the best people. You know, you need to appoint people firstly based on merit rather than uh, political uh, affiliation. You need to be able to then within the, the big state institutions, your like your ESCOM, as you're mentioning that you're in the dark, that's the reason that we are having this conversation and you're uh, sitting outside because of, uh, let's call it the deliberate driving out of skilled and ethical personnel. Most of uh, state-owned entities, uh, we need to get that right. And you are correct insofar as our human rights, I mean, in, insofar as our foreign relations needs to be clear based on, on, on the respect for human rights, but also look at the, the interest of the country and South Africans and not the narrow political ends that are not informed by the world that we live in, but informed by the world that uh, no longer exists. You know, we need to be uh, thinking of the world that currently exists and the world that's going to exist in the future so that those that, uh, let's call them our friends internationally, are aligned uh, to what we want to do, but also aligned to our respect for human rights across uh, across the board. So these are some of the things that uh, becomes key. Obviously, if you want to have a capable uh, public service that is ethical, you then need to invest heavily uh, education, both at the tertiary level, but also at the secondary level. One of the things that I feel that we have been invested in, especially uh, both primary and secondary uh, school, it's the leadership question in those schools. Principals, uh, there hasn't been a deliberate a program to identify, recruit, and train school principals as leaders in the schooling system. Now they get overpowered uh, by the trade unions. That's something that we have to we have to address if we are to get uh, the country on the upper gate. When I was first in this country back in the 1970s, it may in fact have been before you were born. I'm not sure. One of the things that did impress me in the midst of all the difficulty and inequality and and political hardship that I saw, I was impressed by a large, well, not so large, but certainly but by a group of principals, mostly high school principals in black schools, generally speaking, who despite all the obstacles and despite the, the obvious unfairness of the world, they were existing in, spent much of their energy trying to prepare students as they departed from the school with the understanding they had to do as well as they could because the world out there was tough and it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be a fair place and you really, really had to work hard. The thing that intrigues me is that many of the people who now have senior leadership positions, uh, in this country, they came through those schools at that time. And I'll say it plainly, I think they seem to have forgotten that lesson that they, they should have observed from the teachers, the leading teachers and the principals of the schools they went to. And uh, schools that function well now here function uh, under the guidance of high-quality principals and heads of department who really managed to, to lead and teach rather than to bend to administrative or outside whims. Yeah, no, that's critical. That's why I mentioned it, that the leadership at the school level is critical. We're seeing efforts even at the university level 
where they are from time to time attempts uh, to uh, divert the tertiary institutions from the task that it needs to do to appease political uh, principles and so forth. So there, there is a need, uh, like I say, a deliberate, it must be a deliberate program of identifying and uh, training uh, potential school principals because we, for many of the public schools, there's a dire need of a new breed of, uh, of principals uh, at that level. Unfortunately, the leaders that uh, have now, they are more concerned about themselves, uh, their uh, economic well-being and seeing politics as the ladder to climb for the economic ladder rather than an opportunity to serve uh, the many people, the many millions of South Africans that are yet taste uh, the fruit of uh, democracy. And that, for me, it's it's uh, one of those points that necessitated, necessitated some of us uh, to uh, embark on this journey of building Rising Zanzi together with the people of South Africans, uh, because uh, we cannot expect that the people that got us into this crisis uh, will uh, miraculously wake up tomorrow. Uh, and want to work uh, to get us of, of this crisis. They are tired. They are not in it. They are not uh, thinking about the future of uh, South Africans. South Africans, they are more self-centered uh, than what the country needs at this present moment. Well, let, let's get very practical because as, as we both now understand, I'm sitting here without electricity and we're operating on batteries. What would your party do? Okay, let's assume for the sake of argument, it's a miracle you gain enough political power to be in charge of, at the minimum, a big chunk of a coalition, either at the national, the provincial, or the local level. The first thing you want to tackle, you decide because it's the most crucial right this minute, is the stability of the electrical system. What things would you do to make us better able to to deal with the crisis that we clearly are in? The reality of the matter is this, and this is why we should not be making uh, unrealistic uh, promises, uh, is that because of many years of deliberate uh, breaking down of uh, ESCOM in the main, there's no uh, quick fix, and no one, anyone who comes and says no, we can uh, turn this around in uh, in three months. You you must know that it's a lie. The extent of the the rot within ESCOM, the many uh, criminal networks that operates within ESCOM, both in terms of uh, the suppliers and the maintenance uh, companies. That's where you start by the cleaning up and getting the rot out, and then starting to build that institution, getting the capable people, the ethical people into into the organization, making sure that those that are tasked with maintaining the existing uh, power stations are doing that. And then as you look for long-term investment in renewable energy, renewable energy will not uh, come overnight. You know, it's an investment that you we need to make in terms of uh, new generating capacity. But you obviously need for those that are able to afford to have their ability to generate uh, power, as we were, we were saying around uh, uh, using battery storage among some of the things. But we need to appreciate that for the majority of South Africans, they will not have that option, and thus we need to get the the, the power stations that uh, that we have uh, to be operating optimally. So it's, there's no there's no quick fix to the rot that has uh, set in 
in ESCOM, you need to, to make sure that you deal with it with a proper, in a proper way over a, a period. Here's a thought that I have about the electrical system grid in this country. This is a country, and you're, you're, you have a scientific mind and background. Here's a country that gets on the average about 354 days a year that bright sunlight and the sun is free and it streams down on us whether we like it or not. Why is there no national regulation that requires any, requires any new facility and building to necessarily have solar panels on its roof, whether it's a house, commercial, government, industrial. Why isn't that part of anybody's agenda? Yeah, like like I was saying, uh, Brooks, that uh, there are aspects of, uh, you know, where we increase uh, generation, like uh, renewables, the solar, and so forth. So that aspect will work for those that are able to afford uh, at this particular moment, like you say, big buildings that are coming up, the the shopping centers, but most of the big developers have started uh, uh, installing a lot of uh, solar uh, capacity in uh, in in their in their buildings. That is, if you look at the greater scheme, it, in the immediate short term, yes, it, it might assist uh, you and I, but for the majority of people to be able to have that kind of reliable. Uh, and affordable because that's, that's the other thing that we need to, to be talking about. It's how affordable is the, is the electricity that's, uh, that's coming online. And, and we, we should not at, at, uh, because of the crisis, uh, think of just adding, uh, uh, call it a, gener- a generating capacity that will become unaffordable for, for many people. We should, we should be looking at the, how best we are able to, uh, introduce uh, new generating capacity, but keeping the uh, the price of electricity affordable also to the millions of South Africans that uh, are yet, as I said, to taste uh, the fruit of uh, democracy. We're speaking with Makashuli Ghana of Rise Mzansi. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back for some wrap-up and concluding comments and thoughts and observations. And this is Brooks Spector with The Deep Dive. This is The Deep Dive with Brooks Spector. And this is indeed The Deep Dive, and I'm Brooks Spector, and my guest today is Makshuli Ghana of Rise Imzansi. And we have just a couple of minutes left, uh, but let me, what drove, what, what tempted you or drove you or led you to moving in the direction of leaving the party you were previously associated with to join an institution that was not yet hatched and which was only going to become a political party soon? What made you make this career, this, the, how shall we say, it, major career change? I wouldn't call it a major career change. I'm still in the same industry. But what made me to to move from the previous organization was, uh, I mean, like I've said it several times, that organization has lost the appetite to become a, a much broader organization, uh, lost the appetite to work on the nation building project, the appetite to, to unite South Africans behind a common uh, vision and to be bigger than, than it currently is. So I prefer that, you know, sometimes you can ask people to do, 
to go in the direction that uh, you believe uh, the organization needs to go and people will not uh, have appetite to go there. So sometimes it's best not to continue fighting and uh, go to and build something that you believe can re- best represent uh, the hopes and aspirations of this country. And that's what Rising Sons is. I believe it represents the hopes and aspirations of many South Africans, those that have tasted the fruit of democracy, but most importantly, for the millions of South Africans that are yet taste this fruit of democracy. You're a relatively young man, relatively speaking, by comparison to this old guy you're talking to. However, this is a very young country in demographic terms. The average age of people now is such that people coming into adulthood now and who are going to be or are already qualified to vote, they don't remember the past struggles. Mm -hmm. They don't remember a previous era where their circumstances would have been necessarily circumscribed by political uh, arrangements and security and other arrangements, economic arrangements that would have made their futures on the whole very, very difficult. How do you, and just as a summing up, as you talk to the future, how do you tell people in that group, these young people, 16-year-olds, 17, 18, all the way through to maybe 20, 21, 22, how do you tell them, stay with us, it's going to get better, but it's going to take time? How do you explain that to somebody for whom the idea of patience is already uh, something that they can't agree with? I get what you're putting when you are dealing with people that have been waiting, not only the the young generation. I mean, you have generation of uh, not-so-young people over the age of 30, below the age of 35, that have, I mean, below the age of 45, that uh, have lived a significant part of their life in democratic South Africa, and they have been waiting uh, for things to improve, and they haven't seen an improvement, that the idea of uh, being, uh, you know, patient might not be appealing, but the, the reality of the matter is that if we are to get things uh, on the up, we need to approach it with a, it requires a level of patience because it won't be an overnight. And that's why we say we want to build this safe, equal, prosperous, united South Africa in a generation. Uh, we are giving ourselves time because that's realistic. If I go in and say, uh, I'm going to turn the situation around in six months, then people must know that I'm lying. It can, it can, it can, the nature of the, of the situation is that we can't turn uh, things uh, around in six months. But are there things that can be done in six months? Definitely. Uh, There are things that can be done in six months, but the entire change requires us to work together over over a period of time. And we have been uh, given a set of promises as Rising Zanzi because we want to craft our manifesto, our promise, together with the people, not it become their views, uh, uh, of uh, Makashile Ghana or Songhez Ozevi, but it must be informed by the the hopes and aspirations, the views, the solutions that are provided uh, by the people on the ground. And, and, and we see ourselves rooted in communities, working side by side with the people of this country as we try to save and rebuild it. I have patience, even though I'm an old guy. Uh, I hope that younger people will work with you 
on that question and that they will have the patience to allow you to see it through. You have a long and difficult road ahead of you to to gain public attention, to gain public awareness of your your campaign, your party, your leadership, and your ideas. But we wish you well. And we have been speaking with Mahashuli Ghana of Rise Imzansi. One last question for you, though, before I before I let you go. What does Imzansi really mean? Uh, so Imzansi, it's uh, South Africa. Uh, so it's almost like a, what we call a, a nickname for South Africa. So you go ev- everywhere, any language you mention Zanzi, they will know that you are talking about South Africa. So we are calling on South Africans to rise, to rise to the challenge of uh, saving and rebuilding our country. And that's why the name is uh, Rise Mzansi. Well, you clarified that for me and millions of others. <laughs> That's why even the colors of uh, Rise Mzansi takes from uh, uh, the South African flag because we we are for South Africa. We are for South Africans. We are constitutionalists. Uh, you know, we do not believe that the, the source of, of the crisis in South Africa is as a result of the constitution. We believe that the source of uh, the, the crisis that we find ourselves it's uh, as a result of leadership and that uh, we are the ones that we've been waiting for to save and rebuild our country. And that's why we are rising. You have an ambitious task ahead of you, all of you, you, Songhezo, and the rest of the members of your party that will be registered at some point. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. I hope we have a chance to, to talk again. We've been speaking with Makashuli Ghana of Rise of Zanzi, and this is Brooke Spector with The Deep Dive. And we will be back next week with another interesting, informative, and I hope illuminating guest. We'll talk to you then. Take care and have a good weekend, and we'll speak with you next week.